Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to another edition of the FTF Exchange podcast series. Today, we are speaking with Steve Dwar, who is the Strategic Institutional Client and Platform Advisor for Clearwater Analytics. Steve, who is based in the Boston area, joined Clearwater last year to help the company advance its solutions and services for the insurance and asset management industry. The winner of the FTF Award for Best Client Reporting Solution, Clearwater provides a software as a solution service for investment data aggregation, reconciliation, accounting, and reporting. Among Steve's achievements is that he is the founder of uh, DCS Financial Consulting, uh, where he uh, advises asset managers and insurers. He also worked for more than two decades in the insurance asset management group of Deutsche Asset Management, a business that he helped grow from $20 billion to more than $200 billion in assets under management, including expansion into global markets. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Steve. Thanks, Eugene. Glad to be here. I'd like to say that that we're honored at Clearwater to be recognized as a leading client reporting platform and also just to be part of the FTF news community. You know, you're a, an important part of, of what gets done in the institutional asset management from a technology standpoint. Okay, great. Thanks. So uh, why did Clearwater Analytics take part in this year's insurance investment outsourcing report? Yeah, that's a, an industry report that's been around for a while where essentially um, asset managers that focus on in running money for insurance companies are asked to report what they manage, how much they manage, what asset classes they manage. And since we work with asset managers, including insurance asset managers, as well as insurers, we thought it'd be great to, to partner with the group that actually does that. And that's, Eugene, that's actually one of two surveys we were involved in. We had our own survey where we surveyed insurance companies about both what they invest in and what they're going to invest in or planning to invest in, as well as a technology platform and, and things like that. We actually had over a thousand respondents from that survey. So a lot of information here um, in these surveys that we And then, so what, what do you think are some of the big takeaways from, from the survey? Well, you know, the reason we do these surveys is to stay on top of, of trends. Our platform is a specific built for institutional uh, investors and investment managers. And we want to know what's going on in that space. So what are they investing in and what do they expect from their, their reporting and analytical platforms? I'd say the, the big takeaways, Eugene, are many um, asset owners and likewise their managers are going into new asset classes. Right? Everyone's hurting for yield. And they're looking, you know, in, in every corner, where can I find yield and return? And that's what we're seeing. So you're, you're seeing a lot of private asset classes come into play. And that's obviously something we need to consider in our technology platform and how we get data and everything. So that's, that's one thing we've seen. Um, there's a need to aggregate this information. So if you're investing in multiple asset classes, 
either with multiple managers or if you're a manager and you've got multiple portfolio management systems and you need all the data aggregated, that's important, right? Often there's multiple systems and then it's just brute force Excel pulling things together. And then the last big takeaway, there's a number of takeaways, Eugene, but the last big takeaway is there's a heightened demand for transparency for new asset classes. So if you're an institutional asset owner and you're investing in a new asset class, you're probably going to want to pay attention to it a little bit more closely than something you're used to and that you trust the manager with. Maybe the board uh, or the investment committee wants information about it. So we, we see that demand for systems that can provide that transparency. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and is there a chance you could take us maybe through a, an insurance asset manager use case, uh, maybe uh, just maybe high level look in, into what they do and how they use your services? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, as you said in the intro, I, I spent a good chunk of my career over 20 years in that space. And the first thing I'd say is insurers are maybe a little bit different animal than other institutional investors, right? These are assets that are on their balance sheet, they drive their income, they're highly regulated, and that's a lot different than a pension plan. So that's, you know, the framework that an asset manager starts from, right? And, you know, one thing I'd say before I, I jump in and give you some, some detailed bullets is, as you said, we're a SaaS platform, and, and SaaS obviously is cloud-based software, but we're also a managed service. We create the data set. Um, we pull information in from, from different trading platforms and create the data set. Um, our platform needs to be very customizable in the insurance space. So insurance companies, I, I use the word needy, but you could use the word demanding. They need this information. These are their assets on their balance sheet, right? And often they want it in, in a certain format, in a certain way, um, so that they can analyze it and report it. And that's that's something that's key to our platform, right? We've built a platform that is very configurable. It's configurable by the end user, and that serves these insurance asset managers very well. Another um, aspect of an insurance asset manager is they have to think of metrics that are unique to insurance companies. And, and the most important one uh, is book accounting. So uh, book values and book yields are something specific, right? These are, again, balance sheet assets. And our platform has an accounting module that can be utilized to calculate these analytics and deliver them um, into the reporting platform. And then the last thing I, I'd highlight um, for insurance asset managers, and I actually say it's just true for all institutional asset managers, Eugene, is typically you're going to get together with your client on a periodic basis. You're going to have a deck in front of you, usually done in PowerPoint or traditionally done in PowerPoint. You're going to go through the portfolio. Here's what the portfolio started like. Here's the trades we made. Here's what it looked like. Here's our performance. Here's our exposures. Here's how we look relative to a benchmark. Well, Clearwater recognized that need and we solve for it. We have something called client statements where we build that deck so that it's automated and generated whenever they want, whenever the, the manager wants so that they can use it with their, with their clients. That saves a lot of time and gets them out of PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about the needs of, uh, of the asset managers. So how would you gauge the current needs of uh, institutional asset managers, uh, you know, maybe starting with like their current IT management needs. Yeah, um, I'd say generally, 
the theme that we see out there is that managers are really being required to provide web-based web access to information. And it, it's kind of interesting when you, you think about how you and I operate as, let's say, retail customers. Um, you know, we log into our bank account. We see what's going on there. We log into our brokerage account. A lot of institutional asset managers still don't have a, a web-based platform, right? And then once you have a web-based platform, uh, again, these institutions want to analyze the data. They want to be able to configure the reports. Um, and, and, and also, it has to be timely and accurate data. You know, traditionally, you'd report to your clients uh, once a quarter, uh, once a month, once a quarter. Now they're demanding daily data in many cases, and it needs to be accurate. So that's a, a general demand. So you got to have a good data set, and you have to have a good way to access it. And web base is, is the way to go. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, I guess there may be uh, new con security concerns about that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like everything these days, there's security concerns about that. Um, and that's something, obviously, we're very focused on here at Clearwater. We do the penetration tests. We have the audits of that and everything. Um, and that's, that's part and parcel to when you deliver information on the Internet, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And then... Um... We have this ongoing situation with COVID-19. Uh, some some folks are working remotely. Some are are, are working in the office. Some firms have a, a hybrid situation. What what do you see as like the next phases of, of remote IT support for uh, clients? COVID's been it's been interesting for all of us in many different ways, obviously. Um, but it, it surely highlighted the need for that. I'll call it anywhere access to information, and. Our platform, we started back in, I believe, 2004, and from day one, we were SaaS-based and, and accessible through the internet. So our platform really shined during this period. Um, our clients are already used to accessing their information from anywhere, whether they were sitting at their desk in the office, whether they were sitting at home on the couch. And now, you know, working from home just became very natural there. We've also set up our our own platform internally so that we could run things you know from afar i'll say right so our technology and operational people you know we use technology we make it accessible to them as well so we really didn't miss a beat when when covid hit you know the uptimes were great the clients were happy mm -hmm. the, the other thing eugene that i'd say about covid um so i'm an institutional asset owner covid hits and we all saw the market disruption you know the market went way down you know initially when COVID hit no one knew what was going on different uh sectors uh reacted differently some of them benefited like you know retail and amazon some of them you know suffered well our platform allowed our clients to go in and find out what their exposures were you know and i've been around long enough i, I think back to, to lehman pull that name out and clients would call, were calling us when Lehman was, was going down. What's my exposure to Lehman? You don't have to call, right? When you've got the right uh, access to the data through technology, you can get the answer yourself. And that's another thing we saw with COVID. Mm -hmm. and, may, and those calls way back when probably didn't yield you the information you needed at that point. Um, it, it was days of response, Eugene. It wasn't like, okay, what's my exposure? Mm -hmm. I'll just use the Amazon, right? What's my, yeah. no, it took time to find the answer. For sure. There's a lot of talk now about uh, ESG, environmental, social and, governance, uh, yeah. governance and, mm. and all of that. 
it's getting a lot of attention, and I think I think a lot of um, a lot of firms are are focusing on it. Uh, but the, the the data is fragmented for ESG. So uh, can we talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you deal with uh, data aggregation uh, for ESG, which would seem to yeah, be a challenge? You're spot on with with that ESG topic. It's I think I said to a colleague the other day we were talking about ESG. It's rare for an institutional asset manager that I connect with not to bring up ESG, right? It's not the other way around that I hear about it once in a while. It's almost like, well, what's going on with ESG? And I, I look at the ESG, I don't call it problem or, or, you know, thing that needs to be solved in two ways. So number one, uh, there's a lot of managers that run ESG informed portfolios and they have come up with means to collect ESG analytics and metrics and build them into their process. They want to report that to clients, right? So if a client hires them to run an ESG informed portfolio, um, they're going to want to see, all right, what are the metrics that you're managing to? And, you know, is there a benchmark and whatnot? Well, that's one thing that uh, we do really well at Clearwater. Uh, we've long been able to and, and had the practice of being able to bring outside um, field analytics into the platform and marry them with the standard data that we have in the platform. And we do that for a lot of these, these managers right now. So they give us data feeds, we add them in, um, and then the reports and views are configured so that the client can see that. That's kind of the easy part, right? The question you asked is really the tough part, right? There's fragmented data. You've got all, you know, all kinds of suppliers of ESG type data, whether it's an MSCI or a Sustainalytics as an example, and they have different levels of coverage. No one covers the entire universe. Um, they have different measures or different scales as to you know, what they report. And the real um, challenge in the industry right now is to be able to pull that all together and homogenize it. How exactly do you do it? Right? If I'm a client, if I'm an institutional asset owner, and I hire, let's say, three asset managers, and they all have the same mandate. You're going to run me a investment-grade fixed income portfolio with these ESG considerations. All three of them probably have different metrics. So what we're trying to do is come up with some kind of common set of, of ESG metrics. It's probably not going to make everyone happy, but it'll be a way to look across managers and portfolios you know, if we can accomplish it. Now, we've got a, a team looking at this, and right now we're in this phase where we're actually interviewing our institutional asset managers and talking to, to them about just this. So we're gathering information there, and you know the idea is to how can we homogenize? Now, the other avenue we're taking is we're looking to third parties. Um, I know of at least two third parties that that's what they're building a business around. This is such a problem. Um, the ones that can crack it, do it effectively, and also allow for customization, not just give you a standard, are probably the ones that are going to do well. So we're in conversations with them, and perhaps the answer for us will be some combination of what we're thinking and what those third parties are doing. There's no answer right now. I think you realize that when you see this this out in the, in the marketplace. And then you don't you don't uh, have a time frame in mind, or do you, or is it... In the... <laughs> I wish it was solved yesterday. How's that? Uh, it's, okay. it's something, again, we're adding metrics there. The, the challenge is to come up with some, you know, uh, homogeneous set of metrics. 
And I'd like to say that this is something we could probably accomplish in the next 12 to 24 months. To come up with okay, great. To our clients. Okay. I have some IT concerns here and I'll just bring them up one by one. Uh, the first one is, uh, you know, data, effective data aggregation and some possible best practices for that and, and for the validation thereof. Yeah, data aggregation is certainly in focus. I already touched on multiple portfolio management platforms. We also have like OCIO type managers that are using outside managers or managers that are open architecture that use some portion of outside managers. So aggregating that is important. And really, it's not just grabbing the data and sticking it into some you know data lake or something like that. It really needs to be homogenized. You heard me use that word a few times. And that's really, you know, the need out there and the best practices. And it's not exactly easy, right? How do you marry, uh, you know, some special private asset class data with a traditional public asset class data? You know, what sectors are they in? Things like that. And that's something that we really focus and, and quite honestly, excel at. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of people using Microsoft Excel and Microsoft PowerPoint. How, uh, how are you going to try to move them uh, off those platforms? Is, is, is that a possibility? Yeah, you know, I, I love to use this line, Eugene. Um, if we took away Excel for a week, we'd watch the, the global financial system collapse. I'm convinced mm. of it, right? Mm. It's that pervasive. And I see that when I talk to managers and I see that when I talk to asset owners. Um, it's a problem. You know, some are advancing. They're modernizing their tech stacks. Um, there's a reason for that. People like Excel. They understand it. They like the, the interface. They like the flexibility. And, you know, Clearwater has actually understood that for many years since day one. We've built our platform to be like Excel-like, right? So the mm -hmm. interface is Excel-like. It's end-user configurable. You can move, add, delete columns. You can aggregate subtotal. You, you can even do pivot tables and create graphs on the fly. Right. These are the things that that, you know, will help people say, OK, I can move from Excel and move to that other tool. Um, the, the other thing I'd say is there's there's BI tools out there and I've had some experience with BI tools and BI tools can be great. BI tools, in my experience, you need the expert to configure the BI tool. It's not you or I sitting there. Oh, here's a BI tool. Go ahead and, and program it. So really, to get out of Excel, you got to give them that Excel end user capability. Yeah, and, and just so the, the listeners know, that that refers to business intelligence, right? Exactly. exactly. Oh, okay. Mm. Yep. Okay, now there's been a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and how it might help with gathering unstructured data and, and you know, odd, odd data such as uh, PDFs. Um, yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, you know, there, there's... There's one view, right? If you're in the portfolio management world, maybe you're researching companies and things like that. Hey, can I go scrape the internet, get data, and use that to make better investment decisions, right? So when people think of AI in the investment world, that often comes to mind. But there's other uses of AI. And I've touched on private asset classes um, earlier. And often private asset classes come in some kind of fun vehicle, like a limited partnership. The general partners send out statements to the limited partners and their soft copy, no tool like the data is all over the place. The data labels are different. And, you know, at Clearwater, we process hundreds, if not thousands, I think it's thousands of these. And the typical way to do that is you have a person sit there, interpret it and type it in. 
we invested in AI technology to not only scrape the data, but understand the data. Like I was saying, the data fields may be labeled differently and, and things like that, and take that unstructured data and essentially turn it into structured data that we can feed into our reporting platform. And it's been a real advancement in our platform and it, it makes things so much easier. And we use technology instead of people when we do this. Okay. Uh, lastly, uh, the last time we spoke, you talked about your data scientists and how they're exploring a way to leverage the information that becomes apparent via the analysis of $6 trillion worth of activity that, that flows through uh, Clearwater Analytics. Uh, so could we get, if could you just, uh, just remind me of, of what you're thinking of doing and maybe just a quick update on where you are with that. Well, we all know that, 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 that data is knowledge and, you know, in recent years, you hear the phrase, you know, data as an asset and at Clearwater, um, we have, I think it's 5.6 trillion of assets on our platform. So it, that's positions, but obviously the flows related to that, the transactions are also on the platform. So if you take a step back and say, geez, we've got institutional asset managers, institutional asset owners, you could call them the smart money. And we've got daily clean information. So we could look through that data and get some information. And it, it's something we've been thinking about, I don't know, I'd say for the last 12 or so months, should we look at that data? What can we do with that data? And one of the things that um, we could actually do with the data is to look at um, which portfolios or, or, or I'll, I'll just go with portfolios are performing well. And why are they performing well? Look at how those portfolios are positioned. Consider what's going on in the market. And maybe that could inform um, asset managers as to best practices. Um, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it would be, hey, if I'm an insurance company and Clearwater has a trillions of dollars of insurance assets on the portfolio, what do other insurance companies have positioning? Kind of a peer type approach. What's their positioning and how has their performance been? Right? You could actually create market benchmarks. And when you think about benchmarks or indices that we're all accustomed to, you know, the S&P 500 is, is the, you know, just the 500 largest stocks issued out there, right? The bar cap ag is, you know, investment grade bonds. It's just what's out there in the market. It's not actually what's invested in and the weightings that managers are, are putting into that. And one thing I'd say, Eugene, that's an obvious consideration for us is this is our client's data, right? Any way we use it would be 100% anonymous. We're really thinking through, you know, how would we use it with clients? Would we do an opt-in thing? You know, they allow us to look at their data and therefore they get, you know, the outputs of that. So it's something that we're in relatively early stages with, but I've seen some beta analysis done by our data scientists along those lines of, of portfolio optimization. And it's really very interesting. Okay, great. Actually, sounds fascinating. Um, uh, tell us first when, when you um, have some big news there. <laughs> That's everything we wanted to cover today. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Eugene. It's been great talking with you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. 
Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange Podcast.